Thanks for tuning into the Jesus Affirms Me podcast, affectionately known as The Jam. My name is Audrey and I'm your host. I invite you to click the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, do it now. And also follow the Jesus Affirms Me page on Instagram at Jesus Affirms Me. I can't wait to connect with you. Welcome, enjoy the show, and remember that Jesus loves you. Welcome back to the Jam Podcast. Y'all, we are officially three months into this project, and I am just completely blown away and very humbled at how receptive you all have been. So I want to thank you all for tuning in, for sharing, for offering up your feedback, affirmations, encouragement, all of that jazz. And a special shout out to those of you who have sent me text messages, DMs, commented on the Jam's IG page. You are appreciated. And I hope there's a special blessing waiting for you in your heavenly bedroom, okay? And that's just really assuming that we'll have heavenly bedrooms. And if so, we'll have our own room. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right, so it is March, y'all. And the year is 2021. We are quickly approaching the anniversary of the day when COVID-19 gripped the U.S. and many of our lives changed very quickly and for a lot of us forever. And so I would like to take a moment and acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of lives that were lost across every nation, tribe, and people because of it. So if you are listening in right now and lost a loved one as a result of this deadly virus, I pray that God would comfort your heart as you grieve and give you the peace that only he can provide. For those who are currently hospitalized or battling this virus or really anything else, God is a healer. My thoughts and prayers are with you. And I pray for peace and blessings upon blessings for everyone under the sound of my voice. God is with us and he loves us for the Bible tells us so. All right, so I am transitioning. March is also Women's History Month. Shout out to all of my sisters. Yes, I am talking to you, sis. You are real bad and whatnot. (laughs) And because you bad and whatnot, the purpose of today's episode is to highlight God's affirmation of women through scripture. Now, fellas, this is not your cue to leave. God's word is inclusive. Many of the affirmations go both ways because in God's creation of humanity, we've all been affirmed. Both male and female were created in the image of God. But for the purposes of this episode, I will be targeting the sisters. So I invite you to share this podcast, invite the women in your life to tune in and hear what God has to say to and about his daughters. So woman, who are you? Well, first off, we are image bearers. We start from the beginning. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28 tells us that we are image bearers who've been granted dominion over all other living things. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So first and foremost, ladies, we are image bearers along with our male counterparts, but we are both image bearers. We are also the mother of humankind. 
Genesis chapter three, verse 20, New King James Version tells us that Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And if we jump over to the New Testament, we see Mary uh, in Matthew chapter one, verses 18, 18 through 21, where she is impregnated by the Holy Spirit to become the mother of Jesus. We're also leaders. For example, in the Old Testament, we learn about Deborah, who was a prophetess and the only female judge in the book of Judges. You can read about her life in chapters four and five. And if we jump to the New Testament, we can learn about Priscilla, who was one of the first missionaries and a leader of the early church. She's introduced to us in Acts, starting at verse two. We are daughters of the king of kings, y'all. I'm gonna read that again for the folks that are sitting way in the back or maybe have their volume turned like down. Turn it up, sis. We are the daughters of the king of kings. Ephesians chapter one, verse four through five says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. Now, if our minds will even let us think about the foundations of the world, because I know I struggle, like what, what is that? Like, what, what does that even look like? And for the Bible to say that we were even chosen before then, predestined us into the adoption of children, like, come on, y'all, we are daughters out here. We're chosen. First Peter 2, 9 tells us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are virtuous and valuable. Now, Proverbs, okay, Proverbs chapter 31 is a very, very popular passage of scripture that women often reference. Um, just in how we should carry ourselves as women and things like that. But it also tells us that we're virtuous and valuable. Verse 10 says, we have a worth that is far above rubies. And if we jump over to Luke chapter 12, verse seven says, indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, when we talk about the numbers of hairs on your head being numbered, I used to have locks, okay? Now, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about how you can just take each lock and, and count it because that'll be easier. We're, we're talking about each individual strand of hair that is protruding out of your head is numbered. Come on, somebody. We are strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 9 says to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And finally, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 um, verses 13 through 14 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, let me pause right here and say a couple years ago, I bought a sewing machine. I knew nothing about sewing. I just knew that I wanted to sew. So I bought this sewing machine and I stared at it in the box for the first three months. I'm not even going to lie because I was very intimidated about what this thing was and how I was going to use it. 
However, YouTube University. I eventually watched some YouTube videos, was able to, you know, figure the thing out for the most part, ended up making some stuff that I guess was pretty nice because then other people wanted me to make stuff for them. Um, this is not an advertisement, I said a couple of years ago. But no, so in sewing, sewing is hard. You know, it takes a lot of focus, it takes discipline, it takes patience, which I don't have a lot of. However, when I think about knitting, have you ever watched somebody knit something? Like that process is just like crazy. And I don't personally know anyone who knits. So if you're listening and you're a knitter, hit me up because we, we need to have a conversation. But when I read this and it says that God knitted us together in our mother's womb, I'm just thinking about something that took time. It took great care. It took patience. Um, I mean, obviously he had to know what he was doing because when I watch people knit, I'm like, first of all, what are you making? Like, you know, like you see it, you see them doing it, but it's not until it's the final creation that you say, okay, wow. Like you literally made that out of like this ball of yarn that initially didn't look like anything and you knitted this together. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. But y'all, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like let's rest in that. And what I want to jump to now is just some examples. I just have a couple of examples of how we are affirmed, how Jesus affirms us in the Old and the New Testament. But I'm going to start with the New Testament. But before I do that, um, I just want to highlight this thing that I read that I, I think is, is a little funny or may, it may not be. I'm not sure. But I was reading a blog recently titled Welcome, Respect, Affirmation, How Jesus Interacted with Women. And one of the things that stood out to me towards the end of this, this article that I was reading, it says, uh, the writer wrote that Jewish men had a morning prayer thanking God that they weren't slaves, Gentiles, or women. Okay, slaves, Gentiles, or women. And then similarly, Greek thinkers had a prayer thanking God that they weren't beasts, barbarians, or women. <laughs> so after reading this, I'm just like, first of all, really thankful that these folks were not Jesus. Okay. Clearly, because like, for real, that's what y'all praying about. But I'm also wondering what their thoughts would be regarding what the apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter three, verse 28 in his letter to the Galatian church, where he says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Mic drop. The Jewish and the Greek thinkers who had this prayer, that's a mic drop on y'all. I'm sorry. It, it's what it is. But let me tell y'all about Jesus' attitudes towards women. And the, the example that I'm pulling from the New Testament um, is his interaction with the Samaritan woman. His approach was and still is countercultural. And we see that in his interaction with this woman at the well. So this woman was deemed sexually promiscuous. But what we see is that at this well, Jesus speaks to her one in private. And in this conversation with her, he affirms her as a person, which ultimately leads to her faith in him and to a service of evangelism. And if you want to read about that encounter, it can be found in John chapter four, verses one through 42. But what's what's really cool about this interaction is after Jesus says all these things to her, like, you know, I know about your history, about you sleeping around with these different men, you know, all of these things. 
Uh, verse 28 picks up with her going back into her town and saying to the people there, listen, y'all need to come see this man who just told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So these people, they go out with her and they, they meet Jesus and they have an interaction with Jesus. And then in verse 42, it says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now, if I could pause right here and encourage my sisters, if you have a story about how God brought you through, that story should be shared with some folk, okay? I uh, more recently started reading a little bit more about um, the Titus 2 woman. And uh, this is a body of scripture that encourages older women to basically kind of mentor younger women and bringing them into the faith and stuff like that. And um, this is just a really, really great example of just conversations that I've had with other women about how a lot of times the things that we've gone through, like before we met Jesus or even after we met Jesus, a lot of times those stories uh, you know, not, are not really for us. These stories are for us to share with other people so that we can relate. You know, when we're going out and we're evangelizing and we're ministering to people and we have a story that maybe we could share with them that may be similar to something that they're going through to say, listen, this is who I was, but God, you know, like, I feel like this story of the Samaritan lady, like as she's going out and she's evangelizing, she's saying, this is who I was, but God. And so I just wanted to put that plug right there because this thing just, it just speaks to me. Okay. It just speaks to me. But what we're going to do is we're going to jump over to the Old Testament, to the Bir Lahai Roy. This is what Hagar named the well. And we're about to learn about who Hagar is. So, or who Hagar was. Hagar was an Egyptian slave impregnated by her master's husband, who she had been forced to marry so that she could be a surrogate, if you will. That's crazy, right? That's just my introduction to their story. And if you are not familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and how this thing unfolded, you should check it out in Genesis chapter 16, because I'm probably just going to give you a little cliff notes version of it. Um, but Hagar was the Egyptian slave. She was a slave to Sarah. But their relationship became toxic after Hagar became pregnant with Abraham's son. God promised them, Sarah and Abraham, that he would allow them a son to birth, you know, basically nations from. But Sarah, because she was older, she was like, oh, God, I don't know. You sure you're talking about me? I'm, I'm kind of old. I'm kind of up there. And ladies, I'm sure a lot of us can relate. You know, we'd be like, well, God, um, you know, things are kind of drying up. What you doing, Big G? And so that's kind of where I feel like Sarah was probably at. She was like, no, nah, you know, nah, I know you tripping. Um, so what she did was she jumped in and she, I guess she just wanted to help God. She said, you know what, Abraham, I can't have you any children. So here, take my Egyptian slave, marry her, have a baby. And then that will be our family. That was not God's plan. Um, but what happened is Hagar gets pregnant and then their relationship become toxic because now Hagar is powerful. Like, oh, you know, I can have a baby. You can't type of thing. And Sarah was like, oh, sis, you tripping. Like, this is what it's going to be. So Hagar ends up running away. Um, and scripture says 
that the angel of the Lord found her. And so when I'm thinking about this and I'm envisioning this and Hagar, you know, she ain't got no family. She's a slave. You know, the, uh, her provision is back with Sarah and Abraham, right? She's carrying this child. She's running away. It's probably hot because I just feel like in those days it was just hot all the time. I don't know why I feel that way, but just, you know, I just feel like it was probably always hot. So she's hot. She's pregnant. She's running away. She has no family, nobody to talk to. She's all alone. But scripture says the angel of the Lord found her her. Meet us where we are, Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord is thought by many to be an appearance of God himself or the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Yes. So basically in the Old Testament, Hagar, this is in Genesis, y'all. This is still in the beginning of the Bible. In the Old Testament, Hagar was met with the presence of Christ. He consoled her in her troubles. He affirmed her. And then he promised descendants through the son that she was carrying. Ooh. She was so impacted by the encounter that in verse 13 and Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, she says, you are the God who sees me for I have now seen the one who sees me. And the well where the encounter happened was called Beer Lahai Roy the well of him that liveth and seeth me. Oh, I'm so glad that God sees us. I'm so glad. And I'm so thankful for this story because wherever we are, whether we in the trenches, whether we on the mountaintop, whether we we at a well with just a history of just sin or whatever, whether we looking back at it, you know, whatever the case is, God will meet us where we at and he will have such an impact on our lives that our lives will change for the better. I am living proof of it. God pursued me for a very long time before I began to accept his affirmations on my life. And I am all the better for it. And sis, I'm sure you will be all the better for it too. And so these are just a couple of examples of the biblical affirmation of women. And I implore you to open up your Bibles and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through scripture so that you can know God and his thoughts about you for yourself. As women, we can rest assured that we are uniquely created by God and for God, for his pleasures and his purposes. We are image bearers. We're leaders. We're mothers. We're go-getters. We're sisters. We're friends. We're daughters who are fearfully and wonderfully made to be strong and courageous. And we're entrepreneurs in our own right, set out to do some amazing things and leave our marks on this world. Happy Women's History Month, y'all. Stay tuned for the Jesus Affirms Women series this month, where I have a lineup of women who are really dope that I will be interviewing. They love Jesus and they are women bosses. I'm so excited for this series, and I hope that you are too. Thanks again for tuning into the Jesus Affirms Me podcast. And until we meet y'all, be good.